Just a little love note to all of our loyal free cookie listeners and to anyone who might be new to the show. This is an ad-free podcast. And we want to keep it that way. We want to make sure that we can just give you guys the awesome content, the great interviews. and Without the stuff that you have to fast forward. But in order to do that, we need your support. So if you could join us over at patreon.com forward slash free cookies and become a patron of the show, there are many tiers that you can join. You can throw us a dollar, you can do five. And it turns out we're going to start putting some content up for those of you who are hardcore free cookie supporters. We're going to make this worth your while. So if there's some of you out there who just listen to the show, and you feel like, hey, you know what? I could, I could spend two, three bucks a month. Great. If you guys need a little something as incentive, we're going to put some videos up on Patreon that are going to be exclusive to those of you who are free cookie monsters. And I mean, we're talking some good content. Like I'm going to take you inside my sneaker closet, like that kind of content, you know? And I will contribute recipes and perhaps every now and then our dog will give you a soliloquy. So again, that is patreon.com forward slash free cookies. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And today. And today we're finally back. We're back. Did you miss us? We hope you guys missed us. We missed you. But sometimes life happens and you need to take a break. You need to take a little baby break. But um, a big thank you to all of our listeners and to our patrons for supporting us through all of this. For our patrons, I do have a delicious crunchy, crunchy salad recipe up on our Patreon for us. So if you like crunchy, delicious salads. And and that sounds really boring. I know it sounds super boring, but trust me, this is like... It has green onion in it. I mean, that's where it's at. I didn't know what green onion was until about six months ago. I thought it was looked like an onion, but it was green. But it's not. It kind of looks like a little, like, You still herby. get green onions and chives confused, too. I get a lot of things confused. And there, there's certain... Spring onion really throws you off if I ask for a spring onion? I, multiple times, if you send me, if you send me into the grocery store and I it's like... I never know what she's going to come back with. <laughs> parsley, mint... Chives, cilantro. There is a long conversation that happens with someone who works in Whole Foods. <laughs> because was it green onion? You were like, yeah, don't worry. That's the same thing as the other thing. What are, what are the two things that are scallions? Scallions. Scallions. Yeah. So you can get some scallions. Is a fancy way to say green onion. And I'm like, that's, you can't, they're all these tiny little green things. They're all tiny little green things. They, but they don't pack their own punch. They're, they're very I, important. Listen, I don't want to mess it up because I understand their value. I'm just saying <laughs> they're already, they're already little bunches of green things. And then you name one thing, the same thing, green onions and scallions. It doesn't need two names. How did we get here? How did we get here? No, literally on this conversation topic, how did we get here? Okay. <laughs> I just didn't anticipate I was talking like, oh, about- Oh, is this a good segue to voting? Cause this totally, you really Listen, queued that up. We are, we're so happy to be back. We missed you. And we're so happy that on today's show, we have Stephanie Young from When We All Vote because we felt it was really important now that we're weeks away from the election. That- and as citizens who are confused, there's so much information. Yes. There's so much combative information being dropped on us daily yes. right now that we wanted to talk to someone of Stephanie's caliber from When We All Vote to, to really lay it down for us and let us know, like, this is what, you know, should you vote early? Shouldn't you vote early? What Mm -hmm. about mail-in ballots? How can you contribute? Are we in an echo chamber right now? And she was 
Yes, genius. And the one thing she said that you you will hear, but I want to highlight it here at the top of the show, is she said non-voters are the biggest political party. Mm -hmm. And what's frightening about that statement is that non-voters, most of them don't think of themselves as part of a political party, right? They think there's like an, there's an apathy. There's like, there's a, there's a emptiness to it. Like it's not filled with uh, policies and thoughts and uh, a direction for the country. It is most of the time it is absent of any forward momentum. And so for those of you who are listening who are like, well, look, if, I, if I'm confused or I don't know, or I'll just step back, right? Like, you know, that, the old adage, like if you don't have anything right. good to say, don't say anything at all. Like this is not one of those times to employ Unless it's that. 2020 and there's an election yes. coming up. <laughs> so, um, but uh, among the many very insightful things that Stephanie is about to, to share with us. I thought that was a really important one. Like don't be a part of the biggest political party, which is non-voting. Absolutely. And she also, she, there, we have so many things we scribbled down that she was saying. She also said that you can't have a government that represents the people when the people don't vote for them. Mm -hmm. It's just, I, I do recommend settling down to this episode with maybe a pad of paper or open your notes app and, and just, now is the time to even, you know, from a, a nonpartisan standpoint, just to show up for what you believe in and vote for it. And that's the, and before we get to Stephanie, which we will do without delay in like <laughs> before, one before, minute. Before, 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 before. But that, that was one thing that we, we, we broached in this conversation too, is that simply having Stephanie on the podcast to talk about just voting, just figuring out how to vote, figuring out to get the people around you to vote, figuring out where you're voting that will all be seen as an incredibly liberal point of view. Mm -hmm. And that is all not by happenstance. That is all a long-term project to suppress vote and to make voting seem like it's a political stance rather than saying, like, look, the more people we get out to vote, the more our government will be led by the people chosen by its inhabitants. So we acknowledge, like, there's this weird thing where I'm acknowledging that, like, even having someone on the show who is talking about getting out of the vote seems like a political statement, right. which is where we are right now in our democracy. When it turns out, if you're an American, that's what you're allowed to do, vote. That, that's <laughs> what comes along with being a citizen yes. of this country. Um, and since we started with green onions and scallions, why are they the same thing? What, what is the difference between brooch and breach? Because when you say brooch, Ooh, I, I think of, like, an antique cameo on yes. my chest and when I think of breach I think of a whale and I don't know why I think of jewelry and animals before I think of the action behind each of these words but I just thought I would let that percolate out loud yes are we actually asking for the difference in the definition or I don't, you just I don't know if, if you have something exciting to say you can come back at me or we could just like throw that out there for the listeners and let them I don't know why the word brooch means to um, bring up to like uh, cross a barrier. I'm going to broach this with you. And mm. is also Does it spelled, mean I'm going to like pin this on you? I am going to bring it up and I'm going to stick it on you like a brooch. It would be interesting to know if those two words have a, like a connection. Because breach makes more sense. Like you breach out of the water, like, you know, humpback whale breaches, you know? <laughs> and so like, I'm going to breach this with you is like, oh fuck, you're going to breach? Like, okay. Wow, that's going to be- It seems like it would get messy. Yeah, I, I this this top of the show went a lot of different directions. <laughs> um, didn't see the brooch breach conversation or the green onion scallion conversation. You're welcome. 
without further ado, let's introduce Stephanie, shall we? Stephanie L. Young serves as the Chief Officer for Culture, Communications, and Media Partnership at When We All Vote, a nonpartisan voting initiative launched by Michelle Obama. She has strategic communications, public engagement, and content creation experience in the public and private sectors with organizations such as the Obama White House, Congressional Leadership, NBC Universal Cable Entertainment, and BET. During her time in the White House, Stephanie had the unique opportunity to serve two critical roles as the Associate Communications Director and then as the Senior Public Engagement Advisor. In these roles, she led the press strategy around domestic policy announcements and created and managed critical relationships for the president in the African-American community. And without much ado, or further ado, let's ado. Let's breach into this next segment. Hope she broaches some cool stuff. And introduce Stephanie Young. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for coming on the show. We're really fired up to talk all of the voting needs with you today, and and we can't wait to pick your beautiful brain. So thank you very much for being here. Um, Thank you for having me. So you came highly recommended from our mutual friend, Disha Dyer, and and that was how um, I originally found you was during the Share the Mic Now campaign that we both did that um, you partnered with Chrissy Metz. And I was talking with Disha about you know, Kate and I wanted to do something prior to the election to, because there's just so many questions about what are we supposed to do? Like, how can we be the most useful right now? And, and you know, yeah. how can we not be in an echo chamber? And, and, and what do we do to get out there? And I talked to Disha about coming on the show and she was like, nope, I'm not coming on, but you haven't, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love Disha. She's the best. Oh God, she's the best. <laughs> yeah, we, we we met her in New York City, and she brought with her a bag of cookies. So that's pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> I know. That, yeah, that sounds like Disha. Yeah. So, just I, I would love to start off with just our listeners' our history about kind of your journey from the Obama White House to when we all vote, like just your history yeah. and what inspired you to be where you are now. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I had the privilege of serving in the final term uh, for President Obama's um, administration. Uh, my first job was as the associate communications director. And really what that means is that I was the person that helped to create the rollout plan for whatever domestic policy announcement that the president would make. Um, so that meant if he did a speech somewhere or if he was, and it's mostly actually when he did a speech, when he announced um, things, or if he announced it in a, in a totally different way, I was the person that corralled um, you know, everyone, every agency, every department in the White House, everyone together so that we were all in lockstep, all the outside folks, uh, partners and advocacy organizations to ensure that we were all singing from the same songbook um, <laughs> and figuring out the best the best way to make that announcement. So from everything um, with new policies around uh, the Veterans uh, Department to um, Veterans Affairs Department to all the way uh, to when Michael Brown was was shot and killed in um, Ferguson, Missouri, to when we announced the task force for 21st century policing. Um, I was a part of all of those really big critical announcements. Um, and then fast forward, um, after about a year and a half in that position, 
uh, I got the opportunity to go work in the Office of Public Engagement, which is really like public affairs, but that's when you're working mm-hmm. with the people. So I traded the press in for the people, and I was communicating mm-hmm. uh, with leading uh, civil rights leaders and organizations about the president's policies and about what we were trying to accomplish when it came to criminal justice reform or civil rights. And I, I mainly worked with the African-American community. I was, a, I was a senior public engagement advisor working under Valerie Jarrett, um, and I had uh, an amazing last, I, I think, year and a half of his presidency in that position and got to do all the last big black things that we did, which was really awesome. <laughs> so the last Black History Month, which was an amazing time to celebrate black culture, the opening of the African-American Museum. Um, my job actually started uh, right around the shooting um, at Mother Emanuel Amy Church mm-hmm. in South Carolina, where you guys are. Um, so I was on the ground there and a part of that amazing homegoing service for Reverend Clementa Pickney, uh, where the president gave that speech that I will never forget, where he talked talked about pulling down the Confederate flag, mm-hmm. uh, where he talked about, um, you know, gun violence and coming together. And then that night, um, when we got back to Washington, D.C., that was the exact same day that the Supreme Court um, okayed or affirmed uh, same-sex marriage. So it was, that was such a memorable time that has forever been implanted on me that day um, in general. But the entire experience um really, I would say, inspired me to figure out how the rest of my life will be used as a form of, I won't even say activism, but as a form of progress. Like, what am I doing and how am I in the center of cultural progress and moving this culture holistically forward um, in a multitude of ways? And I I quickly left at the end um, in January 2017, and I went over to the private sector, and I really wanted to to see how media worked. Uh, I worked at Viacom, um, more specifically at BET uh, networks doing corporate communications. And I realized pretty quickly my heart was not in that. Uh, And I I hopped over to uh, NBC Universal Cable Entertainment and I helped to start a campaign there called Erase the Hate, um, which ended up being um, a little bit more of an internal campaign. And then I got a call to come on back uh, (laughs) and work with When We All Vote and Mrs. Obama and this really interesting initiative on how we change the culture around voting. And when Valerie called me, I could not say no. And I am so glad that I took this opportunity and that I'm working with this incredible team and Mrs. Obama each and every day to figure out how are we changing the culture on voting? How are we ensuring that each and every American is empowered to understand how powerful their own voice is? Uh, and through their vote, um, that can be their activism, that is their voice, and that is the change in the community, the state, the, si- the city that they live in, this country that we want to see. And how are we How are we talking about that? Not just when the election is right around the corner and it's a big deal, but how are we talking about that every day of every year, because that's the Mm -hmm. only way you really change the culture around voting. So so when you say change the culture around voting, how would you define or or how would you describe to us what you think the culture has been and what does that change in your utopia version of of, of when you guys fulfill your mission? What does that look like? Well, when 47% of Americans um, vote. <laughs> um, you know, I think that we're so jaded that mm-hmm. I remember when I heard that number, cause that was the number of people who voted in 2016. I was like, Oh, well that was almost half. Like, wow. like that was a good thing. Um, that is terrible. Yes. Sorry, <laughs> Stephanie. Cannot have did- an act- 
Do you have any yeah. reference points for like other countries that do it well yeah. so we can understand kind of how much we're failing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Places like Denmark, um, Belgium, all of these other places actually have like 80 to, to 90 percent wow. of um, their their uh, countrymen and women who participate in okay. elections. Um, so we are far behind of, I would say, the Western world and other advanced nations or other advanced democracies, Mm -hmm. we fall very, very, very low. Um, And when 100, it was about nearly 100 million Americans sat out in 2016 um, for a multitude of reasons. And when we think about political parties, you know, we're always like, okay, Republicans and Democrats and maybe independents, but really non-voters are the biggest political party that we have here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's become, um, a little bit of a disease, I would say. Uh, it's not even just voter apathy. It is a mistrust in the system holistically. It is an erosion in the belief of government. Um, and you see it play out each and every day when, uh, you have politicians, right, who are disparaging public service mm-hmm. and public servants um, and saying that working like, oh, they, they mooched off the government their entire career. Like the majority of federal workers are people of color. OK, that that have literally sacrificed their entire lives to be a part of this federal government who have taken salaries that many people would not want to take, who have, you know, missed um birthdays and events with their families and their friends to ensure that our government's institutions are running. And we are living in a world or a country right now where we have um, really disrespected the art uh, or the profession, rather, um, of being a federal servant or committing your life to public service. Um, and it is it is a commitment. And people just, they don't have to do it. There There is a passion for it. And I think that if you look at all of the cultural references that we have about government, they're always negative. Um, mm-hmm. I love scandal, but the name was scandal. <laughs> <On TV. laughs> and how, yeah. do, how do we combat, because, and we were just talking about that on our walk today, you know, like when did, it often feels like our government just stopped caring about the people and, and, and or maybe that's the messaging that we have absorbed because sure. of the way they're talking to each other. I don't know, you know, what's the truth and what's the messaging you're getting, but it, that's certainly, it's so swirled and, yeah. and, 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 and so, you know, obviously everything that you're doing uh, when we all vote and, and trying to to show how much everyone's vote matters. But like, how do we combat this mistrust when, you know, right now we have a president that's talking about voter fraud and if you're, it's a mail and, right, and, right, and all the voter suppression There's that's so much happening right now. Yes. Yeah. It's just, I feel like every single day it, you're getting hit with something. Every single day you're getting hit with something. Um, it does feel like, you know, we're in a bad dream consistently every mm-hmm. week feels like a month um so i'm with i'm with everybody on how we on how everyone is feeling um but i do want you know for folks who who have been active and who do i would say you know know better about um you know what our government is supposed to look like um you cannot have a government that reflects the people. You cannot have leaders in office that are for the people when the people don't participate and they don't vote. Mm -hmm. And a part of voter suppression is making you feel like you don't matter. Your voice does not matter. Um, And that's worked. 
but it hasn't been something that happened overnight. And I think it's super important for us, especially now in this time where we've all had to stop and take a beat and say what is happening, to realize that voting and civic engagement was not an opportunity for everybody in this country. This country was built for white landowning men. Uh, they were the people who could vote first. Eventually it was women and then eventually it was black people. And then um, terror, you know, took took hold in communities around this country. Um, and it, it, I encourage folks, if you have time, if you have an opportunity to take a road trip to go down to Montgomery, Alabama, to Brian Stevenson's memorial um, or the place where he has uh, for, for African-Americans who have been lynched, um, most of the reasons that they were lynched it says voting. There's a whole wall where it gives you the reasons. And voting was, I would at least say, 60% of the reason. So we have, this hasn't been like an overnight thing where we just woke up and we have a reality TV show host as a president. This has been happening for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I feel like some of us have been asleep at the wheel. And um, unfortunately, you know, culture change takes so much work, but what it really takes is us talking to the people in our lives. Because I can, I guarantee you, everybody has someone in their life who doesn't believe in government, someone in their life who doesn't believe in voting, someone in their life who doesn't care to vote. You know, they might do it every once in a while, but they don't understand the the that you have to do it every election in order to see the types of change that you want to see. People who can't make the connections between what the mayor does for their life or what the the sheriff uh, or the chief of police does for the for their life. Lives. They haven't understand that, understood rather that their vote can impact who those people are who are making those those decisions. But I will say, COVID nineteen, this this pandemic has had, um, I would I would hope, uh, or given us a great awakening because now we we can see if our governor doesn't believe that COVID is real, but our mayor believes that COVID is real, mm-hmm. the confusion and and the dysfunction it causes in your your cities. If you can't send your children to school and your school board is has to listen to you know the mayor or the governor or whoever or themselves, right? And they're making decisions um, in a silo. Well, you have control over that. You you vote for those people. So for the first time ever, we actually can see how every elected official actually impacts our lives. So it's incumbent upon us to have those conversations. We're consistently, we've already texted over, I think, 10 million people this year to make sure that they get registered and ready to vote, make their plan to vote early. But what we know is that the conversion rate of someone texting a stranger to someone saying, let me sit my aunt down, let me sit my cousins down, my little you know, nieces and nephews, whoever, and tell them how important their voices are and voting, that that is, a, that is a higher conversion rate than it is for them to get a text from a stranger or an organization like ours. So we're, we're going to have to start having these conversations at home in our families, with the people that we care about, with our coworkers, with the folks that we work out with. We cannot, we cannot allow uh, it or leave it up to chance that they'll get this message somewhere because they won't. When 23% of 18 to 24-year-olds did not vote in 2018 because they missed the deadline. And about 25% of them did not vote in 2018 um, because nobody asked them to. And it sounds crazy to me, but that's the truth. We have to have these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds Uh-oh. like getting people to vote is kind of almost like hand selling a book, you know, like book sells by word yeah. of mouth more than it does an advertisement. And, and, and to that end, when around this idea of changing the culture, not for the first time, but I feel like more than ever, I've started to see our popular figures and our celebrities really making it a priority. Not that it hasn't been in past elections, but like seemingly more so now 
Do you, do all of you there as you, if you kind of track the response to certain things, do you get the sense that when people like a Taylor Swift or The Rock or, or come out and say something about voting that it does, is that part of the changing of the culture or do you, do you think that it still is almost falling on deaf ears if it's not coming from like the people in your, in your tight knit circle. Right. And to add on to that for people who might not have a, a massive online presence or platform, you know, is it important for people to be resharing in their stories and posting on their feed, yeah. you know, cause sometimes you find it feels that, like, like an yeah. echo chamber. Yeah. Does that online stuff actually move the needle? Yeah, it, it actually does. And I, I'm glad that you've asked this question because, you know, Ms. Obama's um, joined by 12 other co-chairs ranging from Tom Hanks to Janelle Monet, some really phenomenal people. And what we know though, is that, um, these are platforms. These are bullhorns that we're able to use, right. To get our messaging further and create that echo chamber that you mentioned. Um, because like I said, you know, there was about a quarter of young people who didn't vote because they missed a deadline or they didn't vote because nobody asked them. Right. So we look at celebrity. We look at um, those platforms that they have, those voices that they have that kind of reach higher and farther as a reminder. It takes about seven touches to get someone registered to vote. Hmm. So that means that they have to hear it seven times. Someone has to remind them, you know, within that time frame. It's just not like a one and done. So hearing it from a Taylor Swift, hearing it from you guys, hearing it from someone in their lives, like it takes all of that. So it is important to repost. It is important to like, you know, put stories up about voting. What's also important is to talk about your own voting plans, uh, your own voting history. There's something that we know that people experience called voting shame. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially women where they feel like, well, you know what? Oh my God, this election is so important. I don't really know if I have what it takes to make the right decision. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know. Like, I don't know what this office is and I'm confused about this. So, you know what? I'm not even going to participate in the process or someone who's like, wow, I've never voted. Uh, I haven't voted in the past like 20 years or the last time I voted was for president Obama and I'm embarrassed and I feel like I can't you know, I can't pick it up again. We have to, we have to be authentic and talk about those things. Um, everybody has missed an election. Everybody has walked into that voting booth and been confused. Um, so it's so important to talk about the process, your own process, uh, because it's almost like, you know, lifting or pushing back the curtain, uh, and showing people that it is not that, it is not that complicated. It's not that hard, but better yet, there are tools or resources, um, through when we all vote our organization and others that are there to help people along the way. And I know that there's, there's, I've had so many folks in the talent world reach out and they're like, Oh, we really want to do something on voting. And I'm like, well, it'd be great if you just joined our weekly list, we'll send you weekly assets and post. And sometimes it doesn't feel good enough for people, but that is how critically important it is for you to put that post up about those voter registration deadlines or put that, that video up about, you know, how do you vote by mailing your state or, you know, post your own voting story. Like all of it helps, all of it works. Um, but the thing is it can't just be right now, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be, you know, from now until November 3rd, which is the last day you can vote in this country. We call it election day, but it's, we're looking at it as the final day, but we have to pick right back up. Um, and we can't, we cannot let this, this big kind of wave happen where we're all focused on it. And then we all shrivel up and go in our own corners. And that's what happened, you know, in 2010, 
Um, and that's what's happened year after year after year after year. People become disengaged. And that's in large part, too, because the celebrity community and influencers become disengaged. They just fall off. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody has to, like, stay with it. And we have to understand that, like, we have to be active around this every year, 365 days. And we cannot... We can't let up for local elections. We can't let up for midterms. We have to continuously go forward uh, because there's plenty of people who've been plotting and planning and going forward for the past couple of decades. Um, And they've been playing a really, really long game to ensure that this country is going to work for a certain few people, while others have been concerned with focusing on their families, getting their lives together, and really just trying to, in many cases, survive. They haven't been thinking about how do I participate or how am I civically engaged? Um, and we have to make sure that they don't, that they don't get left behind. Um, and there's so many voices like, like yours that can really be helpful with that. So when people are speaking up and I, I know when we all vote is nonpartisan, but in your experience, when people with platforms are speaking up or even without platforms, when you're speaking to family members one-on-one, obviously there's the issue of your political party and who you're voting for. And, now more than ever, it is so wildly divisive and it feels like the second you drop who you're actually voting for, you lose the ear of someone who doesn't feel the same way. Or if I can jump in, even if you're suggesting or promoting the idea of voting, that even feels like it's aligned with the democratic ideal. Yeah, You don't even have to promote who you're voting for if you're telling people to vote. It's obvious. It's a giveaway. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? And that that is a part of the culture change though. Who ever said that voting was partisan? What, what does that even mean? What are we talking about? Vote <sighs> like, do we live in a democracy or not? Nah? Like, uh. <laughs> voting is a part. <laughs> voting is a part of it. So it makes absolutely no sense for people to say that voting is partisan. And I will say that this is one of the ways which I've seen us kind of make a lot of headway. We have a lot of corporate partners, and I'm telling you, corporate. Corporate entities did not want to talk to us in 2018. They barely wanted to talk to us at the top of 2020. And now, I mean, we have so many corporate partners and that just shows me that people are getting it. They understand now that like, this is not partisan in any way, shape or form. That's actually a talking point from a party. <laughs> Let's be very clear mm-hmm. that voting is partisan. And I would encourage all of your viewers or listeners rather, and, and you guys too, to watch Slay the Dragon on, on Hulu. I don't know if you've ever right seen there. that documentary, but no. it is excellent. It is, I mean, it will change and blow your minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you will see right then and there the really the, the strategic um, plan around talking about voting being partisan. That was started by, by a party, um, I would say, in the 70s or 80s. Uh, so it's really important to understand where that comes from. And I think it's really important to push back. Um, and I get it. Look, it's hard to talk to people who, um, you know, feel like voting is partisan. I, I would say that those people probably vote already. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even focus <laughs> <Move> on. <laughs> on conversation. Let's talk to people who haven't voted in years and they don't, they don't think it's important. Those are the people that we need to reach and talk to. We don't need to have, we don't need to have fights or go back and forth with people who want to talk about denying access to the ballot box or stripping people of their rights or voter fraud and all of those things that are not real. They are all, they are all messaging tools to discourage people from participating and their, their forms are voter suppression. So we have to call it for what it is. 
um, and we have to hit it on the nose and we cannot, we can't, we can no longer be polite about voting in this country. Um, and for folks who may not know, like, obviously we've had challenges, but in 2013, they gutted the Voting Rights Act, which were certain protections for people in states like uh, Georgia and Florida and Texas and South Carolina and all these places that have a history of voter suppression. And what do they do right after they gutted those provisions that would protect voters who look like me, black and brown people? They would they immediately put uh, put in place these draconian, crazy laws with voter IDs. And mm-hmm. uh, they started talking about voter fraud at high levels and all of this stuff that made absolutely no sense because they want to suppress voters. And I think that like, what, what's frustrating to me is that um, I think we've had polite conversations about this and it's over. We have to stop because what's not right is is trying to stop people and trying to discourage them from voting. It's 2020. It's not happening. It's just not. And I'm super encouraged about what I saw yesterday at the uh, first day of early voting in Georgia. I'm talking about lines and lines of people who said, forget it. Like, I don't care. I'll sit in line for five or 10 hours, literally, okay, mm-hmm. to vote in America, which is insane. Mm-hmm. But they did that because they care. So we have to stand up for those people who are willing to, to sacrifice their time to make their voices heard and not allow anyone to try to hijack the conversation about voting being partisan. It's just, it's just not. And so let's move, let's, I would say, let's move on. Let's talk to people who haven't voted. Find those people in your life who have not voted in years, who don't think their voice matters and help, help to connect the dots for them. And beyond just like talking to them and trying to persuade them, show them. We have so many tools and resources from how the criminal justice system impacts or is impacted by voting to how the Supreme Court is impacted by voting. Real life, real time stuff that's happening right now. And in addition to that, help them get registered. We're almost done with voter registration, but in some some states, you can still get registered. Also, in North Carolina, you can you can get registered the same day you early vote, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So there's places where you can really help people in your lives to make sure that they have voted. It's just like taking and you know taking a kid to the doctor or a senior to the doctor, or, you know, helping them get their mail or I don't know what it is. But I, there's a way that you can handhold someone in your life to make sure that not only they get registered, but they actually go and vote. And we just launched today our, our voting squad challenge where we're, we're really asking people to get your squad together. Who is a part of your voting squad? Who are you going to be holding accountable to go vote mm-hmm. with you together safely and early? Um, so all of those things we can all do. We can figure out. It doesn't have to be 20 people. It can be two people. It can be one person. Your voting squad can even be your dog if you want your dog to go with you to vote. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but we just want to make sure that people are going to it's vote early and they're doing it together um, because, um, you know, when we all vote together, we become more than a vote. And that is what we're calling our, our kind of early vote weeks of action that take place starting the uh, 18th of October through the 31st. So, so, so you mentioned we, we got to get out there. So you mentioned mm-hmm. um, the, you know, voting early. And that's one question I've kind of had over the last few weeks. Yes. Is I, I recognize that this high level conspiracy about voting fraud is a sham. And mail in ballots. I do have like there are times when, you know, Catherine's mom will be like, let's let's mail in our ballots now early. And I'm like, no, 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 I need to vote in person because I'm concerned that if you know, if South Carolina gets pushed past the election day to count all the votes, my mail-in ballot, then President Trump will say is fraudulent. So I'm like, I can't, I can't, even if it's not fraudulent, it could be said to be fraudulent. And now in South Carolina, you have to have a witness sign the back of your mail-in ballot. It's ridiculous. And then I'm like, so I'm going to vote on November 3rd in person, you know, because I'm like, what is the, what is the least chance that people who want to suppress votes will be able to suppress 
my vote. Do you have like an order of preference or there? Or should we be getting in early because that's definitely... Right. Yeah, t- or, tell us the ways, Stephanie. Yes, tell, tell us what like to do. Number one, yeah, 100% I mean, look, foolproof. My, my preference... <laughs> so we work with the Lawyers Committee um, for Human Rights um, or for Civil Rights. And the Lawyers Committee is an exceptional organization that has the election protection hotline, one eight six six our vote one eight six six our vote And you can literally call from, I think, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. every single day and ask them any type of question you have about voting, and they will be there um, for you and help walk you through it. And these are lawyers that you'll be talking with, so everybody should feel super comfortable about that. Um, so my this is my recommendation. Like, if you are able-bodied, go vote. Just, just go. Go do it with your mask on and physically go do it. And then you don't have to live with the manufactured anxiety that (laughs) this administration Mm -hmm. has given you about your mail-in ballot. Um, So if you are able to do it, if you are healthy, if you feel comfortable, go vote in person and early. Just just do it that way. Um, If you want to vote by mail, absolutely that is still something that you can do beyond taking it to the post office. You can also uh, find a drop box in a state or in your city. Um, in addition to the drop box, you can take it to your polling place. But I will say this, if you have not voted by mail right now, if you haven't turned your ballot in by this week, like you need to go, just go vote early in person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's getting late. And We already know all of the groups that are working on this have talked about how incredibly important it is uh, to get your ballots in early. Florida has already, um, you know, received, I think, over a million ballots already. So we know that there's going to be, you know, a lot to count there. But this is one thing I want folks to remember and recognize is that the United States Postal Service delivers one billion pieces of mail for the holidays. So we know that there's not going to be one billion pieces of mail. ballots or we know that that's not happening. Right. Um, so they can handle this. Of course, they've been, they've been harangued, you know, by this administration in a multitude of ways. Um, I know that there's been tons of confusion, but my recommendation is if you're able body, go vote in person. Um, if you feel safe to do that, uh, we, we can't forget that we are in a global pandemic and everybody's just not going to have the ability to mm-hmm. do that. Um, and they're not going to feel comfortable. So, Let's make sure that they get their their ballots in um, right away um, if they haven't already done so. And if they feel like they're going, if they feel like there's any problem, there's any issues, I didn't receive it or I'm nervous about this, call that protection hotline. They are there to help you. They are, on, I mean, they are on it. They have sued almost every state that's trying to do something funny. I feel like they're even suing South Carolina about this exact yeah. match. Um, you know, signature match right now. So there are people out there that are consistently fighting the good fight. And I think one thing is that a lot of us just don't know that there are people there that are, that are willing and ready to help everybody, um, you know, make their voices heard. But I, my recommendation, again, if you are able-bodied, if you are healthy, if you can vote safely um, in person, do it. So for listeners who want to, obviously they want to vote, well, hopefully, come on, you guys, you got to vote. <laughs> but besides that, for people who want to vote, but also just, you know, want to get in there, maybe there's able-bodied listeners who want to become poll workers. Like Kate and I have both applied to be poll workers here. Which is not a it simple system. not been easy, by the way. Not been easy <laughs> at, least here at all. At in South Carolina. But, um, yeah. But also, what would your advice be for able-bodied people and for those who aren't you know, able to leave their homes, like what else can they do besides just if casting they want to do one vote? small little thing or one, just what is that one extra thing everybody can do? 
Yeah. I mean, look, I think that being a poll worker is a tall order. So um, kudos to both of you for doing that. Um, you're, you're taking your time to help your <laughs> Um, your state and also help all of your community members vote, which I think is a beautiful thing. And we know that mostly seniors have had these positions. So if people can can be poll workers, even though it's not easy um, to kind of, you know, get through, I think that I know there's training in some states, you have to take tests in some states, um, but I think it's worth it in the end and it will be an invaluable experience. Another thing folks can do, they can join our texting team, come over to, over to whenweallvote.org and click on our take action tab. Um, you can, you too can text and harass voters in a nice way um, and make sure that they're ready to, to go vote. Um, in addition to joining our texting team, we're having um, weeks of action where, where we will be doing um, uh, early vote activations. We are partnering with More Than a Vote, which is LeBron James's organization. Uh, and so all of these arenas and cities around the country will be, will be out there with you. We'll have music, we'll have food, uh, we'll have PPE, protect, protective um, uh, essentials for all of you uh, to stand in line and go vote. Uh, and we, we're trying to make, we're trying to make it a little bit of a COVID friendly, safe celebration um, so that people have what they need and the support they need. So we'll need a couple of volunteers out there with us. Um, so check out our events page. I think it's at, right on our homepage right now. So you can sign up to be a part of that or find an activation near you um, and be a part of that as well. We'll also have our final, final couch party, which um, is a moment where we bring all of our, our When We All Vote family together all over this country and we get fired up about voting. Um, on October 24th, it's National Vote Early Day. So everybody can be a part of that couch party, which will train you to either text voters um, or volunteer with us in a different way and um, also push people to make their voices heard on October 24th. So there's tons of ways in which people can get involved. I think being a poll worker is the top of that pyramid because that is a tall order. I think the very bottom is you voting. Um, because at the end of the day, we don't want to miss, we don't want to miss your voice at the poll. So you voting is the, the mm -hmm. bottom of that pyramid at the top would be become a poll worker. I would say mid-level will be texting voters. Um, we're not doing phone banking as, um, you know, most, I think political campaigns typically do, uh, but we, we're definitely tapping into voters the best way we know how, which is through, um, our texting campaign. And we actually just launched one other thing I forgot about. We just launched, um, a social media campaign where we're sending out assets to like a whole group of, of folks who are interested in disseminating, uh, those assets. So really posting to Instagram, posting to Facebook, post, posting to Twitter. Um, and there are some groups, um, it's not us, but there are some groups who do like um, handwritten like postcards and things like that. Um, that could be cool to do, even though I think that we've kind of run out of time for that now. Um, mm -hmm. We're mostly kind of focusing on those those key mailers. So there's a lot of ways to get involved. Uh, but the first way is to make sure you're voting and then make sure you bring at least three people with you along three that people. voting train to be on your Not voting doggies, squad. Not people. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Stephanie, cool. last question here. Just, I know it's anecdotal, but you as someone who has been in this arena for previous elections, what's your sense of the response you're hearing on the ground level about getting that, did you say 47% of American people? Was it 43% voted in the last election? But either way, yeah. what, what is your sense of where we are heading into this election about actually turning out the vote? You know, I think that, I think that for the first time, 
everybody, and I mentioned this, I think, earlier, everybody really sees how critically important elected officials are in their lives, no matter if they've tried to ignore it or not. Mrs. Obama likes to say that democracy moves on with or without you. Mm. And this is a good example of how it has moved on without so many of us um, not either paying attention or not being a part of the process. So I you can't go anywhere. You can't hear, the, listen to the radio. You can't watch television without getting a voting message. I'm so proud of the PSA um, that we had during the NBA finals um, that we created literally last year, but it still worked. It was great to see that mm-hmm. during the game. And that was such a huge moment, but just to see the players with their vote t-shirts on as well. Yeah. Um, I think that we've definitely, it, we've definitely cracked the voting code this year. Um, we're not missing the message at all. And I think people of goodwill are really coming together. And one thing that I think is critically important as, you know, we've seen civil unrest in our streets and continued police violence and kill the, you know, the murder of, of unarmed black people has, I think, pushed people even further to realize their activism is tied to their, to their vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're trying to, to really push people and encourage them to do is take your protest to the ballot box. So as everybody who got who went into the streets, who raised their voices, I'm sure, okay, I'm sure half of them probably weren't registered. And I'm hoping and I know that we had volunteers out there and we helped to get some of those folks registered to vote. But I'm really encouraged because people understand that, um, you know, the democracy is only as as strong as its people. And it seems like people really do want to step up. So no matter how dark it could seem or it does seem, um, I think that we should take hope in the fact that people are ready to get in the game. They, we've seen it with our own eyes. I think we feel that energy. And I don't think you can go anywhere without getting a voting message. So I am inspired mm-hmm. that this is the beginning of a great awakening in this country. This is the beginning of creating some new, strong, civically engaged citizens who really get that they can't kick They cannot take their eye off the ball. And this is literally only the beginning. This is just the beginning. So I implore all of your listeners to think about it in this way, is that this is this could be the first time if some of them haven't been participating. Uh, But this should be, you know, their their introduction, their induction into to being full time citizens. Um, And I remember when we were ending our time in the White House and President Obama said, I am moving from moving to the most important uh, position that you can be in. And that is a citizen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I just I really, really hope that people feel inspired and empowered. Um, And and remember that it literally is always darkest before the day. So it's pretty dark now. So (laughs) I I really do think the morning is coming. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much. I mean, A, for what you are putting into the world. We need more Stephanie Youngs. And thank you for sharing your message with us and with the listeners. And mm-hmm. I hope everyone is super fired up after they've listened to this. And go find your place in the pyramid. Just get on the freaking pyramid. That's all we ask. Just be part of the pyramid. Bring, bring <laughs> yes. some people with you to the yes. pyramid. And bring your dog and all of your friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephanie, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Take care. See ya. All right. That'll do it for today's show. But let us all imagine a world in which on November 3rd, the CNN news or whatever, whatever news station you're watching say that it is by far the biggest voter turnout in the history of the United States of America. Thanks to the Free Cookies Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> wow, I didn't think that. But <laughs> listen, that listen, I just want to say, I just want to say, if imagine the little podcast, Catherine breaching out of a jar of cookies with ballots in her hands. <laughs> I just want to say, if this podcast encourages one more person to vote, just one, we'll have done our job. Wow, that is just one. That just is one. the like the saying that you hate. I do. So I hate that so deeply. much. But but right now. I do mean it. I do mean it. I want that if this affects anyone, that's that we will have done one our part in moving the democracy car just an inch forward. That's what I called it, the democracy car. The democracy car. Um, thank you to Stephanie Young for all of that insight. We are definitely going to watch Slay the Dragon on Hulu to even better mm, understand. Netflix? Netflix. Hulu. It was Hulu. Okay. Yeah, it was Hulu. And lastly, before we get to the bottom, bottom of the show, because this is just the top of the bottom of the show. <laughs> What is so Italian about parsley? Well, and you should also know that you should use the top and the bottom of a green onion. Right, because one's white, one's green, and mm-hmm. I think the white part probably, here's what I think. The white part, no, no, just let me finish okay. this real quick. Okay. The white part in my mind won't have flavor because iceberg lettuce is trash, and iceberg, iceberg lettuce what is does white. does iceberg lettuce have anything I'm just saying, to do? The color white to me means devoid of vitamin. That's kind of what I've been told, and flavor. Like, So are you anti-white onions, too? Um, no, okay. I'm just telling you that when it's attached to a green vegetable and then the, then a big part of it is white, I think, oh, the white part is the part that I don't use. That's what I've always thought. It also turns out I don't think people are eating a lot of onions for nutritional value. Okay. Well, you didn't answer my question about what's Italian about parsley. What's Italian about parsley? Yeah. It's flat. And is the earth flat? Like, what do you, what does that have to do with Italian? Italian's like the parsley flat, not curly. <laughs> I don't know. I actually, it's a very good question. I have no idea why Italian parsley is flat and non-Italian parsley is curly. And is, are they different flavors? Yes. Do we need two parsleys in yes, the world? Yes, we need two parsleys. Stop. Okay. Okay. okay, stop it. Let's get to the bottom, bottom of the show, which if you guys, if you're listening and you haven't stuck around for the bottom, bottom of the show, this is the best part of the show. I don't like curly parsley. This show is produced by Lindsay Collins of F&B Radio, which she does much better stand-up than we do. So if you want to laugh, you should definitely check out Lindsay. And thank you to all our patrons. If you want to become a patron of our show, you can check us out on patreon.com forward slash free cookies. And if you're a patron, we regularly, I share my recipes there. Kate talks about her kicks. If, if you're trying to get into the sneaker game, I will give you an entry-level sneaker that is awesome price point with a really cool story and you would be supporting a female athlete. I mean, who doesn't want that, right? I, I mean, I'm not going to give you the sneaker. I'm going to give you the information about the sneaker. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but um, you can also support our show by uh, reviewing, what is it called? Uh, subscribing. Apple Podcasts. Subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Following us on Instagram. Turns out we have not podcasted in a while. We're a little rusty. But we do want to say thank you to the reviewers who have put stuff out on Apple. A big thank you to Megan KH and to AGB Capital ATC. Agbat. Um, a big thank you to Bernadette. <laughs> there, this is actually my favorite is when you attempt to say people's usernames on Apple Podcasts. There's, to Breezy Ma. There's something very like machine gun fire about it. It's also a big thank you to Flamenco del Scorcho. Were they all positive reviews? They were all five stars. Five stars. Thank you guys. Keep it up. We really appreciate it. We are back. Oh. 
we're back at it <laughs> with sound effects and everything. I don't know. No, no. Lindsay just pushed the purple button. Okay, we should probably go now. All right, bye. Eat your green onions and your flat parsley and vote.